Hello, listeners of Take Talks, and welcome back to the next episode. Today, I have the pleasure and the honor of welcoming President and CEO Doug Smith with the Hampton Roads Alliance. Doug, thank you for joining me. Hey, Tega, they're really a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Doug, uh, I want to get into a little bit of background. I, we've got some exciting news to tell the listeners. Um, I, I think it's actually pretty new news for pretty much all of Hampton Roads. Uh, but before we jump into that, I, I wanted to give our listeners a little bit of background for those who may not know the full extent of your history with the Hampton Roads uh, community, um, just to give them some idea of kind of uh, where you've been and, and how that's kind of led to, to where you are now and, and where you're going to take the Alliance in the future. Sure, happy to do that. Uh, uh, a Portsmouth native, you know, grew up here and, uh, you know, at 18 years old, went screaming out of here saying, you know, I'll never come back like most of us do and uh, went off to University of Virginia. And, and in those days, interstate banking was taking off. So I got hired by what was then First Union Bank and bounced all around the southeast and was in uh, North Carolina and Georgia and then and then uh, came back home and um, uh, was thrilled to be get back and uh, was still in the banking world at that point. But um started getting involved in local government as a volunteer and a commissioner on the uh, development authority in Portsmouth. And uh, that morphed into a, a role in the city government over there and worked for uh, city manager, Ron Massey, who was a wonderful guy in Portsmouth. And then I uh, spent 11 years with um, uh, Coffin and Canoles consulting and uh, tell everybody I was the only guy glad to see Barry Duvall leave that organization because I got his job. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, and then had a stint as a, a, a councilman in Portsmouth. So uh, ran for and won a seat on city council. And then they didn't invite me back a second time. And, but uh, uh, yeah, I went down to Virginia Beach and worked for Jim Spore as a deputy city manager and uh, had my own consulting firm for a hot minute. And Norfolk was a client. And uh, Marcus Jones went to Charlotte. And Kenny Alexander asked me to, to step in for, uh, as a uh, city manager while they did a search. And that morphed into staying in that job. And um, so I was a city manager in Norfolk for a few years. And then um, about a year ago, uh, some folks approached me about uh, coming over here to the Alliance. I was on the board. I was a vice chair at the time. And we were, we'll talk some about this in the, in the conversation. But um, we've been chasing an old model here from an economic development standpoint for a long time. And, and, and um, uh, several of us decided or, or started talking about how to change that model. And uh, one thing led to another. And I was asked to come over here and run this organization. And then after a lot of conversation with Norfolk and really the understanding that um, all the good things we were doing in Norfolk, all the fun things that are happening in Virginia Beach or Portsmouth or Hampton, um, economic development happens on regional boundaries. And, and, and the strength of the region is what drives um, the success of each of these localities. And if we don't get the regional economy rolling, then um, we're really not going to be as successful as we can in these cities. So with a lot of support from the Norfolk City Council, came and took this role uh, back in September. And, and we'll talk a lot about that, but I'm thrilled to be here. And I, I tell everybody my, my ultimate uh, regional activity was a Portsmouth boy married a beach girl. So my wife grew up in Virginia Beach and <laughs> went to First Colonial. So uh, uh, I take this regionalism stuff very seriously. Well, and that was actually going to be my, my next question was, was uh, you've had an extensive history around the community, but was there a point at which in your career where you kind of stepped back and, and said, you know, um, it really is more than just 
what I or we are doing within any given city and, and maybe the, fl the switch flipped and you said kind of this is this really needs to be more about um, all of us than just the one particular city or, or municipality that you may have been working with at the time? I don't know if it was one moment, but I would tell you that when I was on the um, Portsmouth City Council, and uh, in those days, uh, Jim Holly was the mayor and um, was less interested in the regional activities as, as, as uh, supportive as he was. Um, he was at a point where he was not as interested in being on some of the regional committees and, and frankly gave me that opportunity. So I was sitting on the, uh, the Planning District Commission, the, uh, the, then the MPO, the Metropolitan Planning Organization, which is the HRTPO today, um, with all the other mayors. And it gave me a chance to, to get to know all of them, to really look at the region and what it was going to take to make this region successful. And, um, and at that point in time, I was working with Barry Duvall, who had been the president of the, the first president and CEO of the Hanthrose Partnership. So I think it was in those days in the sort of early mid 2000s, uh, when it really started to uh, become fun and interesting to me to, to look at uh, sort of a Hampton Roads perspective versus just a single locality. Yeah, uh, well, and and now we've come full circle with that. Um, and and uh, I believe it's been what about a year now? For me? Actually, yeah, it, it feels like a year. I got here in September. So what do you call it about six months? Wow. Yeah. So you had wow. it, uh, but it's been it's been quite a six months. <laughs> During these last 60 days, I think none of us knows whether it's Wednesday or Sunday, right? And sort of ground. Yeah, absolutely. These, are, these absolutely. are long days and long weeks. So wonderful well it, it's it's been great to have you there uh, um, for those who don't know we're we're all in the same building right there on main street uh so we get well we used to get to see each other pretty regularly uh not so much anymore um so to that extent this is this is kind of why i wanted to get you on was because you you all have some exciting news uh, you, as you said you've been there for about six months um you've had a chance to to work with your team um, and you brought on some some great professionals in addition to the the great team that you had on board. Uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, what you're now launching with that team and and kind of what the the focus is going to be moving forward for you all? Yeah, I'd love to. So so we're a uh, we're a very different organization today than we were even a year ago, and it was probably 18 months to two years ago with. Uh, then CEO Rick Weddle, and then followed by that with Steve Herbert, that um, the organization really started talking about changing um, our model. And uh, fast forward to today, we've got a, a new mission. I'll talk about that. We've got a new board. Uh, we've got a new funding stream. We've got uh, new relationships with the localities. Um, and as, as um, you mentioned, uh, a lot of new staff, including me. And so it's been a, uh, a lot of fun to, to help uh, bring that together, first as a board member and now as the, the president and CEO. Um, but in, in the simplest terms, I would tell you Hampton Roads was chasing an old model relative to economic development, where the, the regional group, this organization, with what we're now calling the Alliance, um, was only allowed to uh, um, solicit out of market investment, right? So going to business attraction. So, um, but, and the reality take is, depending on who you talk to, 75, 85% of your growth from an economic development standpoint comes from existing business, business expansion. And we were um, only doing that on the city locality level 
and not looking at it at a regional level. And so that was a big change uh, to allow our organization and encourage our organization to help to coordinate uh, business retention and expansion uh, for Hampton Roads. So, so the mission changed. Um, we had a board at one point of over 70 people, Tig. Yeah, uh, that's wow. unwieldy, right? And so <laughs> I got thirty some. It's great, great folks. But today we've got a board of thirteen. There are um, six mayors, uh, the the five larger cities, and then a rotating um, smaller community mayor. So, so six mayors and seven um, C-suite executives. And so we've got um, uh, folks like Howard Kern from Centera uh, and Keith Vandervenet from Ferguson and. Uh, Bill Ermatinger from Huntington Ingalls and Kathy Vick from the Port Authority, J.D. Meyer from Cox and uh, Mark Dreyfus from ECPI. And uh, you never should list off folks. I'm sure I'm, for, I'm forgetting somebody. <laughs> but the point is um, a, um, a lot of uh, significant C-suite uh, leaders helping us uh, craft this vision. So that's a, a big change. And then um, through some heavy lifting by uh, folks like uh, W. Wynn and Harry Lester and Jim Spore, we made a strong push into that private sector to get significant funding. And uh, we now have more private funding uh, than public funding. And that's a, that's a big change for this organization. And, and economic development for so long was sort of your civic duty. And what we've tried to say is we want you to be involved out of your own self-interest that you, your business is gonna grow and be strengthened if we do this well. And, um, and then the, the, the final thing, I'll uh, take a break, is um, we actually have a memorandum of agreement, memorandum of understanding with um, all 11 localities that says, um, and it's the same document, but it was unanimously approved by each of those um, city councils and county commissions um, in terms of what our funding would be, what our role would be, and how we would interact with the locality. So it's a, a much more, um, much broader vision, uh, but a, a really got the right people uh, at the table these days. Well, you, br you brought up a really good point, because this is a question that came up when I was talking to someone just the other day, was uh, Hampton Roads, uh, in its truest sense going back to when when we first started to, to rebrand as Hampton Roads and now the 757 uh, the we've always been kind of known for having essentially a 17 municipality location and and I noticed uh, one of the things that you've done is is you really kind of uh, uh, targeted as you mentioned the 11 uh, specific localities. So you, can you talk about how kind of that decision was made and, and how that will help you continue to grow and, and better serve the community? Yes, yeah, so, so we were 14 and the, um, the, the historic triangle, the greater Williamsburg area dropped out a few years ago and um, felt like they weren't getting the attention that they deserve. So they've started their own regional economic development organization. And, um, but I will tell you that uh, we, we um, uh, work with that group. Uh, Vaughn Gilbreth um, has my role in that group, but uh, we have what we call a red team, the regional economic development uh, team, which is the economic development directors and the, uh, the utilities, uh, the, the Cox and Dominion and, and um, Virginia Natural Gas, and then our regional partners, folks like uh, Jim Spore from reInvent Hampton Roads and Bob Crumb from the PDC. We meet once a month. And, and frankly, we invite the economic development directors from Greater Williamsburg to come to those meetings. And then frankly, we share everything we've got going on right on down to sort of the, the, the projects that we're working on because we really are one region. 
Yeah, I completely understand uh, why they've made the decision they did, uh, but we're going to continue to collaborate with them and work with them. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, we're, we're uh, at the end of the day, we're stronger together and uh, folks that are coming in, don't pay attention to, to locality boundaries. And if they're uh, interested in something in that historic triangle, then we're going to help them, help them land there. Um, so my understanding is you, from a services standpoint, I believe you've, you've broken it into essentially three categories. Um, if I remember correctly, retention, uh, attraction, um, and intelligence. And I, I'm curious as to see kind of what your focus is for each of those, uh, especially the intelligence part, because I think from the outside, many people kind of understand uh, economic development kind of from a, a big picture standpoint, but I think it helps to really have an idea of how you've kind of really zeroed in on some very specific uh, responsibilities um, going forward. Yeah, that'd be great. So, so if you look at our organization, if you look at our strategic plan, um, you, there's really three buckets of activities, right? It, it's um, slightly different than what you articulated, but the, um, uh, regional leadership, and, and I do want to talk about that a little bit before we're done, because the work that we're doing with your organization and the Virginia Peninsula Chamber and um, the two workforce boards and reInvent and ODU and William Mary, I think it's really, really um, important. So there's that regional leadership piece, but then there's business attraction and business retention and expansion. And then within those categories, so they're pretty straightforward. Attraction is we're trying to bring somebody uh, from out of market into the market. Um, I think it's important to understand that we focus on traded sector um, companies. In other words, um, organizations that are going to sell their goods and services outside the region. So the, uh, the idea is we want to grow the pie. So bringing in another law firm or another accounting firm, fantastic, and we hope those things happen. But that doesn't uh, grow the pie. So we want to grow the pie that then attracts more law firms and accounting firms and those sorts of things. Um, and so the, the expansion side, I talked a little bit about the importance of growing those existing businesses. But we focus on high-wage, high-skilled companies. And uh, WN has a great line that, um, you know, a low-wage, low-skilled job doesn't create a high-wage, high-skilled job. But, but uh, high-wage, high-skilled jobs do create, you know, the, in, in the uh, – ripple effect of other jobs, which is uh, uh, terrific. And then, um, uh, so those are our three buckets, but then to support those activities, we have a marketing division, and that's what you mentioned earlier, we'll talk about the uh, new, new brand, new logo, new website, new image, new name. You know, we don't, we don't use Hampton Roads Economic Development Alliance or Hereta anymore. We are the Alliance or the Hampton Roads Alliance, but you're referring to us casually, it's just the Alliance. But we've got, a, again, a, a new website, new social media, and new look to, to support that. Um, on the uh, business development side is the folks that are out making the calls to uh, try and attract and grow these businesses. But then the business intelligence is what we used to call research is, is really important, right? It, and it's, we've got uh, two sharp young gentlemen, Steve Harrison and Jonathan Holman, that uh, run that division for us. And it's... Um, really understanding um, economic trends, understanding the industries that we're going after. Uh, I think a criticism of economic development officials historically has been that we don't have a, a deep awareness, a deep knowledge of the industries that we're trying to attract. And so we're, we're changing that and doing a lot of case studies and a lot of analysis. And, and um, frankly, because we're a regional organization, it, it makes more sense for us to buy the economic models and buy the software programs and use them for the entire region than it does for each of these um, local offices to have their own 
research department, if you will. And they need, and some do, and they need that to an extent, but we're really trying to be a service provider um, around the business intelligence uh, piece of all that. So we think that makes a, we think that makes a lot of sense. And I think the local guys are, are appreciating and seeing that. So when we talk about, we, I think this organization will grow, but one of the things we've said is where we'll probably invest more money is on that intelligence side because it supports everything we do. If you've already got those tools, it, I would assume that that would somewhat level the playing field a little bit for the localities that you're partnering with, because um, some of those localities uh, may have a much larger staff and more resources than some of the other localities. So by having some of these resources accessible to some of those smaller localities or some of the smaller teams, it would seem that it would make it a lot easier for them to be able to access a lot of that information that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have. I think that's exactly right. I think the, the, the Franklin, Southampton counties, the Olive Whites, the, the, even the Portsmouths uh, that, are, that don't have the resources of a Virginia Beach or a Chesapeake certainly uh, probably benefit uh, greatly uh, from those pieces. The best, the best example that I can give you where I think business intelligence has had a, a real quick impact is um, what we call the uh, uh, developable sites inventory. One of the things we didn't, we as a commonwealth, frankly, but certainly as a region, we didn't have a good handle on our um, developable properties in the region. So, and, and, and you don't even get a look. We, um, folks start making um, site selection decisions long before they contact us. They've, gone, they've gotten on a short list. And if you don't have a readily developable product that they can see and understand from the get-go, uh, you don't even get a look. And so we went through a process of inventorying all of our sites over 100 acres, and then all of our sites over 25 acres, and trying to get them to what you, uh, in the economic development world, they're rated as a tier one, two, three, or four. You wanna be a tier four is essentially development ready. And, and a prospect doesn't want to wait for you to get your property rezoned or get utilities to the property or figure out what your wetlands delineations are. You need all that stuff in hand and so with a lot of help from reinvent hampton roads and the planning district commission uh steve and jonathan have worked and uh, through that inventory and we now can tell you um uh, a lot of information about what's development ready and um, we're going for a uh, go virginia grant here shortly to take a handful of those sites uh that we think can get to tier four pretty quickly and get some uh, state money to help uh, make that happen. But by looking at that as a region, and, and, we've, and we've analyzed not only are they physically developable, but from a market perspective, does anybody, well, if you fix it up, is anybody going to want to come? Do you have the workforce there? Do you have the transportation system to support it? And we've been able to look at those sites from a regional lens and say, all right, hey, these are the sites as a region we ought to go support and spend money on. And I think we'll probably end up submitting about six or seven of those sites for a grant. But but the intelligence group has really been a big part of that. And, and it, it sounds so simple that you need to understand your product, but um, uh, you need to understand your product and, <laughs> and what it is and what's ready. I mean, we didn't, uh, but we yeah. will shortly. Yeah. Well, and the comment that I hear a lot when, when we've had this discussion, especially over the previous probably three to five years, as these sites and, and, and the business communities become more aware of the importance of being better prepared was the idea that that you didn't even know when you were dropped from a list right because right. most of these site selectors weren't going to call you up and let you know hey 
I looked at you, but we dropped you because they're not going to, they're not going to do that. So it, it was that whole issue of you never knew what you didn't know. Um, so it's, it's great to see that, that this effort has been uh, brought to the forefront over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, I'm lucky enough to be in a position uh, along with you and, and so many of our, our leaders to, to have these discussions, but, but to, the fact that the discussions are being pulled to the forefront and, and making people really understand why this is such an important uh, part of us growing as, as a region um, is absolutely key. And, and I appreciate all the work your team has been doing to, to push that forward. Um, and you talked about the, uh, the regional leadership and, and uh, I mean, you've always been a great partner um, uh, throughout your career. Um, I know you partner with Sean Avery, who's, a, who's an amazing partner with us. Um, can you talk a little bit about how a part of this restructure has, has included the partnerships that, that your team is working with and you, you yourself are working with? Yeah, I'd love to. So, so I was really fortunate to um, step into this role when, a, when a, there was a lot of regional collaboration was already underway. And, and, and I'd almost I'd maybe step back. We ought to talk about this if we have time to sort of a uh, pre-COVID, post-COVID world, right? So uh, pre-COVID, um, let's be honest, our economy at best was sluggish, right? So we, we were, if you look at, um, there's 39 regions our size, one to three million. We were 35th for job growth, 36th for wage growth, and 37th for um, GDP, right? And so we were, um, and it's a big part of why we needed to realign the economic development efforts here in the region and what really kicked all that off. And um, that's sort of the bad news. The, the good news was we've got a list of probably 12 or 15 really significant things that the region had started to collaborate on, a, a $5 billion uh, transportation package, a, um, a, a regional industrial facilities authority over on the peninsula that allows uh, localities to invest in projects in other localities and get revenues from that. A uh, south side, the uh, the broadband authority, and, a, and the list goes on and on. And so the the collaboration at a at a political level, locality level, and a business community level was really starting to become very strong. And uh, my peer group, which and you reeled off many of them, uh, which are the chambers and the workforce groups, and the uh, uh, Craig Quigley over at Harumpha and William Harrell at HRT and um, uh, Kevin Page over at uh, the HR TAC were meeting on a regular basis before I got here and it had started to craft good, solid relationships. And so when COVID hit, we got on the phone with one another pretty quickly and said, we got to talk a lot and we got to make sure that we are uh, not getting uh, crossways with one another. We're not, if somebody's doing something, the other group doesn't need to be doing that. And how do we as a group uh, position ourselves to, to move forward. And I will tell you, take, I thought we were in a six or eight week, 10 week problem, right? We need to have a plan yes. coming out by June so we can get open real quickly. Well, clearly that's not the case now. And yeah. um, I'll talk about that in a moment, but, but um, that group I just described, we're on the phone every other day. We're on the phone every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, comparing notes, talking about what we're doing. And, and um, I'll talk a little about, about what we've done. So we, uh, first thing we said was, um, everybody doesn't need a COVID-19 resources page, right? It was, it's kind of the hot <laughs> thing to do, right? But we realized yeah. your, your organization had put one together. It was really good. It was robust. So we're going we're gonna to support that and we're going to push 
people to, to your site. You know, the, the Alliance doesn't need its own site or its own page for that. So that was and, and as simple as that sounds that, you know, if, if you all are handling that, I can go handle something else. And so yeah. we, uh, the other thing we started doing was we wanted to talk to our uh, political leaders. And so we got on the phone with Senator Warner and we put 70 um, business leaders uh, on the phone with Senator Warner. And we happened to be the day, the morning after the, um, the CARES Act passed, the, excuse me, passed the yeah. Senate. And so what you heard was a lot of people that were hungry for insight and um, a lot of people that had anecdotal information about how companies were being impacted, but we didn't really have data, right? And so, and the yeah. Senator said, hey, I need, I need data. And so we, we did um, two things. We launched a, um, a series of surveys. And so we've done two waves of surveys uh, that are sponsored by all our organizations, right? Everybody I reeled off, including um, Old Dominion University and the Strom uh, Business School over there and um, got real data about how this um, crisis was impacting businesses. And we shared that data with Senator Warner, Senator Kane, Congresswoman Lori, others, and the state officials. And so, um, and the other thing we heard from those business leaders was, I got, there's lots of information out here. I'm swimming in it. I need somebody to help make sense of it. So we established this 757 recovery website. I really encourage people to go to that, www.757recovery.com. And we, we took a, what we call a, a creep, crawl, walk, run approach. It's some, it's some new technology for us. And I can talk a lot about that, maybe on a different call, but how we are putting experts that are going into message boards there and answering questions of local business people I think it's been really helpful. Now we've now we're starting to populate it with webinars from uh, Old Dominion and podcasts from uh, William and Mary, and so. But we've had uh, labor attorneys and um, bankers and folks on there answering really specific questions for folks that I think's been real valuable. Fast forward, you know, we're all starting to realize that this is a this is a long term crisis and um, a long term economic crisis. And uh, we're in this for the next two or three years. And so you'll see us here sh very shortly. I presented it to my board last night, a uh, uh, launch a, um, the 757 Recovery and Resilience Framework. And it is a, a process that we're gonna run through, through the summer, that's gonna develop a, um, a recovery action plan for the region. And, we've, and then we can talk a lot about it uh, today or maybe a different time. There's 10 committees. Uh, we're going to do some um, some thought pieces up front, but then each of these committees is going to meet and ask a series of questions and craft a white paper that will then be integrated into a regional uh, plan and strategy with very specific metrics. And, and I'm going to tell you, if my peers, and I don't take credit for this, if my peers hadn't been meeting for these last two or three years together on a regular basis, you wouldn't have had the relationships that would allow you to say, all right, Brian, you own this. And, and Doug, yeah. you own that. And Jim Spore, you own this. And we all come back and, and uh, build off what one another's done. And I, I believe we'll come out um, with a really robust plan that'll get this region back on its feet quicker than, uh, than we would have had, had those relationships not been in place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I was on a uh, meeting with um, someone you work closely with, um, uh, from the Portsmouth Economic Development Team, uh, Robert and I had, had an extensive conversation about how 
what we do as organizations, what we do as municipalities and what we do um, as different departments um, is so much more collaborative than what I've experienced in, in my 30 years in the Hampton Roads business community. And, and I absolutely agree with you. There were so many things that came together in, in a relatively short period of time when this all hit that you couldn't have hit the nail on the head any better from the standpoint that, that what took us days and weeks would have taken us months to have accomplished in, in previous decades. So uh, uh, I know I, I'm, I'm both personally and professionally grateful for what all of the, the leaders within the, the community have been able to come together to, to accomplish for the, for the 757. So, um, so to that point, we talk a little bit about COVID. So here you are, you're, you're six months in, you brought in a, an incredible team. Um, you have an opportunity to bring in a, a, a good friend of mine and a, and a friend of the chamber, um, the, uh, the well-known uh, Elisa Kreider. And um, you guys kick off a, a rebranding campaign and oh by the way you're doing it in the middle of COVID so uh so so talk to us a little bit about that tell us a little bit about we've talked a little bit about kind of the structural part of it but let's get into the fun part of of the rebranding and and some of the the great new things I, I know just just from social media alone it's been great to to watch uh what you've done in a relatively short period of time so I'll, I'll kind of let you take that and run with it yeah thank you so um as I said, uh, we've been working on all this stuff for you know probably better than a year, and um, the the regional rebranding conversation was was um, launched in the midst of all this, but frankly before I got here, and so the uh, our organization put a sort of put a pause on what the the new look and feel and all that would be. So we got through all that, and so we understood how to sort of complement what the region was doing, and we're all set to launch all this stuff, and then here comes COVID. And so we had videos in the can, we had work in the can, and it just didn't feel right to launch all this stuff eight weeks ago. And so about two weeks ago, we all started talking and realizing, all right, this is, this is a long haul. And uh, the reality is, if we're going to get out of it, uh, we're going to have to have an effective economic development response. And part of that response is positioning the Alliance as, a, um, as an organization that is prepared to be helpful. So we started with a... A uh, little home video that I shot <laughs> sitting in my kitchen um, that just said, acknowledge that, just said, hey, we, we realize that we've got some real hardships going on here and that we're yeah. going to need to uh, work together and come out. And we're sensitive to a lot of people have lost jobs. A lot of businesses have lost revenues. Businesses have closed. And, um, and yet we've got to keep going. And here we are, a, re a region that's 400 years old. It's been through uh, the, one of the lines we use. We've been through wars and floods and pandemics before. And, uh, you know, survival and, and uh, resilience is part of our DNA. So we, but we need to get to work. And you'll see some new materials from us coming out. And, it, um, and we want you to accept it for what it is, which is the, the big step forward to start to move this region, you know, through to recovery and through to becoming a stronger uh, community. So po posted th that video uh, to kind of thread the needle of sensitivity to the, the situation we're in, but also uh, it's time to, to get going. So we then launched yeah. uh, just what you said, a new website, a new logo, a new name, and um, uh, a much more robust uh, social media campaign. And, and, and Tag, I'm, I'm 
um, I like to hire smart people. And uh, what, what, what did Steve Jobs say? Uh, hire smart people and don't tell them what to do. Let them tell you what to do, right? So <laughs> Lisa and, and Jillian Goodwin and, and uh, the folks at SIR, John Martin's firm and uh, Colton that, that have been helping us, we just turned them loose. And what they've done in terms of the, so, I think the social media campaign has been fantastic. I mean, we're putting some really good stuff out there. And now it's been very internally focused so far. We, we thought it was appropriate yeah. to start with the region and, and tell the region our new story and, and give them our new look and our new logo. And that's what we spent the last couple of weeks uh, focused on. Now going forward, we'll start to tell that story outside the region. And, um, but we'll do it in a very targeted way. We, we don't have the resources to do a, um, you know, an ad campaign in the Wall Street Journal. Right? So we'll, but we'll, we've got, one of the things we've done is uh, really pleased to have hired Nicole Riff, who is now our chief strategy officer. Nicole was working in Texas, was in the governor's office, really overseeing most of their economic development programs. And we were really fortunate to uh, recruit and attract her to Hampton Roads. Um, poor thing, it landed here. Literally, some of our folks had already gone into quarantine. She hasn't even met some of our people face to face yet. But um, she's done a dynamite job. And, and, and what Nicole brings part of what I don't have, which is uh, the relationship with the site selection consultants that are so important in our economic development world. And she and Amy Parkhurst have some real strong relationships there. We'll do a real targeted campaign, a real personalized campaign um, to some of those folks to start to tell them the story of, of the new alliance and what we're up to and what our strengths are and, and how we go forward. And so we're, we're having a lot of fun with that. We've got a lot of good feedback, a lot of good reaction from folks. And one of the, it, it sounds so simple, but um, we didn't have a lot of control over our, our old website. You know, we had consultants that we had to reach out to and it's very labor intensive and to change. So now we're on a different platform that uh, Jillian and her team uh, can, can change and alter just on the fly. So it gives us a, a, a lot more uh, flexibility in a, in a world where you got to adjust pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, well, and, and on a personal note, I wouldn't be a uh, true alum if I, uh, if I didn't give Jillian a good one, a, a shout out as my uh, lead Hampton Roads classmate. Um, so uh, congratulations to her on all the great work she's been doing throughout this entire process for for your team. So, uh, um, so shout out to the best class ever. 2019. <laughs> so, um, well, before we wrap up, um, I just wanted to, to give you an opportunity if there's anything else that you wanted to, to let our listeners know about. Well, thanks. I, you know, maybe it's a, I'll repeat uh, or uh, put a fine point on something I said earlier. Um, the, the narrative that uh, this region doesn't collaborate, and, and it's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's a long term narrative, it's, it's an old narrative, right? And it's, it's just not true anymore. And, um, and I would tell you that perception tends to lag reality a little bit. So I think there is still a sense uh, that we don't collaborate, but um, I'm gonna tell you your, um, your city managers um, meet on a regular and consistent basis, work really well together. Um, your, um, your mayors in terms of the, um, the regional organizations that uh, Bob Crum and his team run, the, the, the Planning District Commission and the TPO um, are incredibly effective to have a $5 billion transportation project underway, yeah. package underway. It's, it's the second largest transportation package in the country. That's, um, that's an enormous accomplishment that took a lot of collaboration. And then you look at our organization that is um, 
really working along um, both public and private lines and um, having a board that has um, uh, mayors and business leaders together talking about how to advance the region from an economic development standpoint, I think is really uh, important. So I, I do want folks to understand that um, we do collaborate and uh, economic development happens along regional boundaries. So you better collaborate and uh, that's the way you're gonna move forward. And then I'd ask folks to just watch um, this uh, recovery and resilience plan. I think we're gonna call it Forward 757. You know, the governor came out with Forward Virginia. Uh, Richmond's going with Forward Richmond. I think, uh, we'll go, I think we'll go with Forward um, 757. But it's gonna be an opportunity for um, a lot of people to participate. And so if folks have got interest in some of these topics that we're gonna roll out, uh, all of this stuff will be housed on that 757recovery.com site. So it'll be easy to see and understand and, and um, would love to get uh, folks involved. But, uh, the last thing I'll say, which I think is fun, you mentioned Elisa, we're, we're putting chairs on all these committees and, and in one of the conversations, we're trying to figure out how are we gonna get some younger folks involved? Because at the end of the day, that's who's gonna inherit this place and they, they need to have a seat at the table. And, and Jeff Tanner came up with the idea of, of uh, taking folks from your Thrive organization, from the, the next gen group, and making a, a, a next gen person a vice chair of every, of every one of these committees. So don't just put them on a committee, but get, give them a seat at the table, um, at the leadership table. And so we're gonna, we're gonna have some fun. Daniel Saleo, who runs, who's your chair, I think of Thrive yep. right now, is working with yep. Elise to, to give us some names. And so we really, we really wanna get a, um, uh, we're a region tag that I think it's recognized for its diversity. Um, but we still got a lot of work to do on the inclusion side. And so we'll have a lot of conversation in the coming days and weeks about how you make sure this works. And the best example, I'll give you a fun example and then I'll be quiet. So we, we launched this website and it's great. We're all patting ourselves on the back because you know, we're real proud of it. And um, I wish I could think of his name, Julian from the, um, uh, the Hispanic, the Coastal Virginia uh, Hispanic Chamber. Yes. Called yes. us said, uh, hey, love your site, but uh, you know, we got 120,000 Spanish speaking folks here in the region and it'd be nice if this thing were in Spanish. Well, great point, right? So now that website, <laughs> there's a button and you go to, you love how these software programs can work now. There's virtually any language you want to read that site in, you can see it. You want it in German, you want wow. it in Japanese, you want it in, in, in Spanish. Um, we've got it for you so that that access wow. and that equity is going to be really important and that's just a small example of the kinds of things that uh, we need to do that's great so thank yeah you. that's that's yeah. great really appreciate you having me and and uh love what you're doing and uh thank you for all of your um sort of highlighting of the the important work that, that does go on here in the region absolutely and i i thank you for your time i, I know uh we may all be in uh, seclusion, but but I know none of our schedules are getting any uh, any lighter through this whole process. So I really appreciate you giving us the time to sit and talk today. Um, hopefully, we'll all be back uh, back in the same building here sooner than later. But uh, but until then, it was great to see you. Great to talk to you, and and thanks again for joining us. You got it. Take care.